This is back in 2014, according to an article that I read this week. Uh, up in Minnesota, there was this guy doing some renovation on a house. And as he was tearing out a wall, he saw something kind of strange in there between the paper insulation and, and the wall itself. And so he took his time and he kind of peeled it back. And what he discovered was pretty awesome. Check this out. This is a poster advertising a baseball game starring Babe Ruth, 1926. Found it in a wall. Okay, and so there's a couple weird things going on with this poster. There's a misprint. It says Ruth Babe. Is it a Babe Ruth for some reason? Uh, there's a handwritten 1926 down on the bottom that you can see. And uh, because Babe Ruth is like sports deity, of course, this guy goes and gets this thing appraised. It was worth, you ready for this? $20,000. That ain't a bad day of work, is it? And so I guess they got to keep it. I don't even know. You can look it up online. But it's crazy, man. Um, I, I had a similar thing happen to me recently. I, I hear about people finding stuff in old walls, and uh, and I've always kind of wished that would happen to me, and so I'm always looking for it. We live in a house that was built in 1974. Probably no Babe Ruth memorabilia in there. Uh, but recently, uh, I had broken a drain pipe on my tub. That's a long story. But to get to the tub, if you're a plumber person, you understand, like, getting to the underside of a tub can be complicated. And so to get there, you've got to go into my laundry room. You've got to cut away a portion of the wall and to actually get to the pipes. And there was the broken pipe, and so I got to working in there. So as I was looking, I'm assuming no one has been in this wall since 1974 when this house was completed. And uh, along with the pipes, I found something really cool. I found an artifact from 1974. And to the best of my understanding, after doing some research, I think it was a tool that was actually used by plumbers back in the mid-70s. In fact, I'm, I understand they still use this tool today to make the day go by a little bit easier. And apparently the tradition was when you finish with this tool, you would store it underneath the tub. And so I have it here. I want to show it to you. This is it. Look at this cool. It's a beer can. Uh, apparently, the plumbers didn't have time to throw in the trash. And so this is this is cool. The 1974 beer can, some PBR in the house. Uh, this is back in the day. Remember these guys? Uh, th they discontinued this uh, tab ring opening mechanism back in 1975, a few years before I was born. But I remember in the 80s growing up and finding these tabs everywhere. Remember you could like shoot them? It was, it was this thing. Uh, and I love it. It says right here on the bottle, please do not litter. No one listened to that. This was back before people really knew. It was like, what is litter? I don't know. And then like a group of puppies when they're born. I don't know. Um, but anyway, this is cool. My wife was like, you're going to keep that? I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to keep it. This thing's 46 years old. In just four years, it'll be a verified antique, 50 years old. So I keep it. I keep it. I don't know where I'm going to keep it, but I have it. And here it is. So, uh, man, I've heard people finding really cool things. And, and, and here's the deal. Uh, today we're talking about treasure. And for if you've ever found a treasure, like if you've ever been on like a treasure hunt, maybe you know someone with one of those metal detectors, boop, boop, boop. It's a lot of fun when you find stuff, even if it's junk. You might find like some old coins. I've heard of people finding some some cool stuff, like old engagement rings that were lost on the beach and things like that. Um, discovering treasure is a lot of fun, even if it's an old beer can. There's a story behind it, and I have had opportunities where I have found treasure. You ever put on an old coat and you, and you discover like twenty bucks in the pocket? I mean, that's that's all. It's exciting. I found one dollar in a pocket, and I've been excited about it. Today we are going to continue this long story short teaching series and we're going through the parables of Jesus. And what Jesus does is he takes these short stories, a parable is uh, kind of an, an earthly concept that teaches a heavenly truth and he tells these short stories to teach us the deep heavenly lessons. And we've been going through a series of parables that are teaching us about the kingdom 
of God. Uh, we'll be back in Matthew chapter 13 again today. If you want to go and grab your Bible, flip over or scroll down on your phone. Matthew chapter 13. And as we pick up there, we're finding Jesus in the middle of a string of parables about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, last week, we looked at a kingdom of heaven parable in which we learned, uh, we, we talked about a, um, a seed, a mustard seed, and a yeast and these very small things that make a huge impact in the world. And we learned that uh, they can grow into great things, and the yeast grows into this tree where the birds of the air could find rest and refuge. Here's what I find about the kingdom of God. We live in a hurting world, and I believe that the world desperately wants the kingdom of God, whether they realize it or not. They want that thing that in, infiltrates their life, and, and, and they can grow into something powerful and strong, and where they can rest and find refuge. And so... Today we're going to learn about a different facet of the kingdom of God. So we'll be back in Matthew chapter 13. Last week we were in Luke 13. Incidentally, that those two parables are also found in Matthew 13. And once again, Jesus is going to give us uh, uh, two parables, parallel parables. The last two were parallel, and these two will be parallel. And so let's read them both today and see where we go. And so here we go. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and bought it. Here we have two very short stories. They're very similar. But there's one key difference between the two stories. In the first story, we got a person who's just wandering through life and boom, discovers a treasure. I mean, not looking for it, it's just out there. It makes me think of my, my son one time. We were out at a, a shopping center. It's one of those shopping centers with lots of stores and you're in one big central parking lot. And so we're walking out of one store and about halfway through the parking lot, my son finds in a puddle $60. Yeah, score. Now, for the record, I normally try to turn money in if I find it. I think it's the right thing to do because one time I lost my wallet and I'm so glad that somebody actually turned it in and I found it had money in it, everything, all my ID and credit cards and everything. So they were a good person. So I try to do that, but where we were and we like, well, what store do we go to? And it was crazy. So after talking about it a little bit, I said, you know, what? I think in this instance, you know, it'd be okay just to keep it. And so anyway, he was like, yes. And so in his joy, he was, he discovered a treasure. And so this guy's walking along in a field and he discovers a treasure he wasn't looking for. That's the first guy. The second guy is a merchant okay and so i want you to picture this guy maybe he owns uh, a store and he goes out and he purchases things maybe he's got a jewelry store and he goes and purchases things to sell in his store it makes me think about the show american pickers you ever watch that show i love those guys they're out in like uh, indiana somewhere i don't know digging through um people's barns and attics and they're trying to find old antique stuff and they buy it and they sell it again in their store and to do that you have to have a very keen eye and you're investigative, and you're looking, you're looking for something of great value. So that's what this second guy is doing. Now, uh, th these two stories have a similar result. Once they find the treasure, they find it's very valuable, and, and they'll sacrifice a lot to get it. And I think these two people really parallel the way a lot of us discover God, most of us. I mean, I, for some of us, it just falls in our lap. I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised going to, you know, vacation Bible school and Sunday school, and I learned all these things. And one day, it clicked for me. It's like the treasure was uncovered, and I was like, wow, this is really worth my life. I want to invest my life towards Jesus. Now, maybe you dated someone. You weren't particularly a Christian or going to church, but you were like, eh, okay, and they're into it. And then 
you saw what they were doing and one day just clicked. It just fell in your lap. You weren't looking for it. And so, and maybe that's where you are today. You're just kind of watching this video because someone that you're close to invited you to watch it and you're still kind of waiting to see what's the big deal. The other kind of person tends to be the person who is like an investigative journalist. And there's a lot of people who have uh, found faith because they were looking for truth. And when they discovered Christianity and dug into it, maybe they tried a lot of other things, but something clicked and they were like, this is it. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you did a lot of digging, a lot of searching, and you discovered the treasure. Now, the cool thing is the treasure is the same, but we kind of come at it at different angles. And I think God allows for that. Both types, the discovery process uh, is important, but the more important thing is the fact that they realized it was worth huge sacrifice. I would lay down everything I have to have this truth, to be part of the kingdom. Uh, now, uh, the kingdom of heaven is absolutely free. Okay, God's grace through Jesus, you don't pay for it, you can't earn it, it's free. But the reality is, it always requires sacrifice. And we're going to learn more about that as we move along. Uh, if we look on the surface level of this parable, it's not super hard to understand. It's got some great truth just right there on the surface. We can find it. And so for today, long story short, the kingdom of God is life-changing and worth whatever sacrifice it takes. The kingdom of God is life-changing and worth whatever sacrifice it takes. But of course, there's always more to learn from these parables. Jesus isn't just trying to give us a very surface level understanding. He actually takes a lot of time in his teaching to talk about treasure, and it's one of his favorite subjects. And so what I want to do today is actually look at some of the other things he said about treasure, lay them side by side with this parable, see what we can learn. It makes me think about a time in Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus is talking to a young man who really wanted to honor God with his life. In fact, he was trying to follow all of the Jewish religious code, and he comes to Jesus and he's like, teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? This we'll pick up in uh, verse 20, the second half of it, actually. So the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then, come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter in to the kingdom of God. This is huge to understand for us, uh, especially those of us, we're, we're modern American people. You know, we have riches, we have treasures, and so you can relate to this guy. We've got a lot of stuff. It's easy for us to allow our treasures, that's our keyword, treasures, to block our way into the kingdom of God. For this guy, like maybe for me and you, it's literal treasures, like money. And he was willing to do good things, but given the choice between God and having his wealth, he chose the money. At least that's what it looks like in the story. And Jesus uses this figure of speech that was more common then. We were like, camel through an eye of a needle? Like, what does that even mean? And people have tried to explain it away with all kinds of weird analogies. I think it's just a figure of speech based on what I've read. And the figure of speech basically means it's very difficult. <laughs> And he says it's very difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because it's hard for us to focus on God when we're focused on our treasure. In fact, many times we are likely to put our faith in our treasure. And our treasure can take many forms. For this guy, maybe it was money. 
but we treasure all kinds of things. Uh, for me, often, it's, it's entertainment. Maybe you can relate with me on this. Um, yeah, I, I will spend a lot of times uh, compromising my time with God or spiritual conversations or even making God-honoring choices in favor of entertainment. It's a show on Netflix. It's uh, scrolling through Instagram. It's spending time uh, just making myself comfortable and at ease and being entertained. And I find that I've spent hours and hours doing this and I've spent zero time digging into the kingdom of God and investing in other people. And so maybe that's something that you can relate to. And I see the kingdom of God and I see the treasure. It's right there. And I think, man, I really should be in my Bible. I really should be doing this thing that God has called me to do or serving somebody. I'd rather focus on this other thing instead. And so that's the t that's an example of a treasure blocking my way into the kingdom of God. And uh, this past week, you know, like I said, I deleted I deleted social media for that reason because I found that it was causing me to think about other things and not focus on the power of God in my life. Will I never get back on social media? I probably will. But I found that I needed to spend some time getting back into uh, a better routine with spiritual things. And so those are treasures. Now, there are a lot of things that can be like that for us. I know people who have uh, completely given up their faith and their pursuit of God because of a relationship. They were raised in Christ or they made a commitment to Jesus, and then but they got in a relationship and that other person was not into it. So they're like, well, whatever you want, honey. And, and it's like, well, you only try, you only find true love once. And I really think that Jesus will step in and go, but is that your choice? Is that what you would rather do rather than pursue me is pursue this human, this fallible human who is going to let you down no matter how much they love you. They can't be perfectly loving you. And so maybe for you, it's been other things. Maybe it's been a job and maybe accidentally. Uh, you know, I think people accidentally let their love for their job and their career step in the way of their activity in the kingdom of heaven. And so maybe it begins by getting a few extra hours. And the next thing you know, like you work every single Sunday or every single opportunity that you would have had to engage with other people. Now, I have seen some people take some amazing steps that though their work forces them to work on Sunday, they go out of their way to seek community and the truth of God and teaching. And I like though you guys, you blow my mind and it's awesome for you because my job is literally to go to church and to study the Bible and I still struggle with it. And so to think that you go those extra miles is, is awesome to me. What are the treasures in your life, though, that have stood in the way of you pursuing the kingdom of God? And I think that for us modern people, these two words could be it. Convenience and comfort. I don't want to be inconvenienced. And I don't want to be uncomfortable. And sometimes the kingdom of God requires that of me. Is there another way? Like, I just don't know if I can do that because. And Jesus says, these things will keep you out of the kingdom of God. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uses that same word, treasure. This is another place where Jesus teaches on treasure. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's so much teaching that can be done just on that passage, but I think that Jesus' point is continuous in all of this. In our parable, seeing aside some of Jesus' other teachings about treasure, it sheds a lot of light on this question. What is most important to you? What is your treasure or what do you treasure? And what are you really willing to do 
to have that treasure? Or what are you really willing to do to have the treasure, which is the kingdom of God in your life? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought that field. That's the first guy. The second guy is looking for it. He's seeking it. I think we can learn a lot from that merchant. I look at another thing that Jesus says about seeking. He says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When it comes to our treasures, what we should be seeking first is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now that's a loaded statement, so it takes a lifetime to really understand what that is. But to finally decide that's what I'm going to do is a big step. And he says, and, and if we do that, and all these things will be given to you as well. Like we'll have everything we need if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. One of my favorite things that I've learned about the parables of Jesus is something that I heard from Marty Solomon. Marty is, I, I'm greatly indebted to Marty. Uh, he is a teacher on a podcast that I listen to called Bema Discipleship, B-E-M-A Discipleship. Totally recommend you check it out. He's a Jewish Christian who is teaching through the whole Bible, cover to cover, and uh, he's using his, his Jewish roots uh, as much as possible to teach us from a uh, Eastern thinker's mindset so that we can hear uh, the scriptures the same way that the original hearers would have heard it. We're Westerners. We're 21st century Americans. We don't hear stories like this the same way that a first century Jewish listener would have heard it. And so honestly, you really need to start at the very beginning of that podcast. He's like over a hundred episodes in right now. Uh, he's getting like halfway through the New Testament. Uh, but he does have a section there in the book of Matthew when he's teaching through the parables. And one of the things that I learned from him about Jesus and parables and rabbis at this time was that for a rabbi, one of the biggest goals for his students, another word for that uh, was disciples, and uh, so the biggest goal for his disciples is the process of discovery. He wanted his, his students to be in the process of discovery. There's actually parallels uh, between this goal of the process of discovery and the parable of the treasure and the pearl because in these things we've got someone uncovering a treasure and the, the cool thing is that in the in the parables Jesus has packed away these treasures for the student to uncover now last week I, I gave us a few questions to consider because a parable at its soul the parable is not supposed to be a clue to be you know solved it's not supposed to be I think I said last week a crossword puzzle for us to finish it's meant to be something to be chewed on and to marinate and to think about and especially discuss among other believers. And so last week I gave you some questions to think about for last week's parable. I want to give you some questions in the spirit of discovery and, and to try to teach the way Jesus taught. And instead of like telling you like this is what you should think, this is what you should do. Instead I want to ask you some questions. Okay, so here's some questions. You might want to jot them down if you got a notebook or in the margin of your Bible or take a note on your note app on your on your phone, and this would be great for you to go through in some of your discovery time later as you as you uh, do some, some kingdom seeking. So here's some questions. There's four of them. Number one, based on this parable, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of God like? Like this is our second kingdom of God parable, and Jesus is leading us to the discovery of what the kingdom of God is like. So clearly he wants us to know that. What do you think? Think about it. Maybe jot down some notes and, and definitely take some time to think about it later. Question number two, how did I discover it? You might have just discovered it today. There's a kingdom of God. 
I don't know. My girlfriend made me watch this video online. Here I am. Just say, what is that? How did, did you just stumble upon it? Were you looking for it? Uh, how did you discover that? That is telling in some of your history. Um, and I think that both, I, I won't tell you anything else. I think, uh, never mind. All right. Question number three. Question number three. What sacrifices do I make for the kingdom of God? Now, these guys sell everything they own because they discover the treasure, which is the kingdom of God. Okay. But what sacrifices have you made? And what sacrifices do you continue to make? Other people have changed their careers because they found out about Jesus. And they're like, this is what I need to do with my life. Or they start thinking very differently. Uh, people end old habits and addictions. Has the kingdom of God cost you anything yet? Here's a spoiler. If it has cost you nothing, I would question how deeply you've wandered into its gates. It is possible for us to stand just outside the doors of the kingdom of God and look in and be like, yeah, I know all about it. But if you know anything about the church and its true heart and what believers in Christ have had to go through, it's cost some people everything. And so that's just a question for thought. What sacrifices do I make, have I made for the kingdom of God? Okay, number four. Am I still seeking the pearl? In, in the spirit of the second guy, the merchant, you know, the process of discovery and seeking, it doesn't end. And so maybe you just stumbled into Christianity, but it shouldn't be that you're like, well, I know everything. Because there's a beauty to just digging deeper and diving in. So last week I told you that a rabbi like Jesus uh, would intentionally plant little hints, little clues inside his parables that would point his disciples to thinking about Old Testament scripture, which they would be very familiar with. The, the average disciple of a rabbi like Jesus would have memorized the entire Old Testament by this time. So they know it very clearly. And so when he mentions some of these things, it should make them go, oh, man, that makes me think about it. And so then it would be expected of them later, later around the campfire or around dinner table, they would all be talking and someone would ask, what do you think the teacher meant when he was talking about that treasure? What do you think the teacher meant when he's talking about that pearl? And it's been greatly agreed that one of the Old Testament passages that the disciples most certainly would have thought of, at least eventually, if not immediately, would have been from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. Now, Proverbs is a great book. Uh, you can actually read a proverb every day of the month, and there's almost exactly enough for you to just start over every single month. And so that's a good idea. Many people memorize Proverbs as their beginnings of memorizing Scripture. And so in Proverbs, chapter 2, there is a very obvious uh, parallel between these, these, these parables and this proverb. So just listen to it. As we wrap up, I'd like to think about the disciples and, and, and that they stumbled upon this parable as they were discussing it. And that, and that in a way, as we read through it, you and I will be joining in them in that discussion. And that we'll be nodding our heads and going, wow, that's good. Okay, check it out. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, listen to this, okay? This is, sounds like a person who is seeking, who is digging, who is treasure hunting. Verse 4, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And you can keep reading through Proverbs chapter 2, and it just shows you when you begin to seek the wisdom of God, you will begin to understand his kingdom. In Hebrew, the word pearl was an idiom for wisdom. 
uh, which the disciples would have seen right away. And when Jesus talks about this merchant who's searching for a pearl, like, oh, a pearl, a pearl of wisdom. And so we're going to keep on reading just three more verses out of Proverbs chapter 2. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. As we begin to see God, we begin to find those pearls and understand how living a life in Jesus just changes everything and it's worth the sacrifice and it's worth selling everything I got to have it. And it's the process of discovering who Jesus is that makes the whole thing worth it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Let's pray.